good. Second Chronicles 29 and 36 in the uh, Old Testament. Uh, before, uh, before I start preaching this morning, I wanted to, a couple of things we've got, opportunities uh, that are going on. Um, one is, is that uh, we have our camp meeting coming up starting next Sunday, and uh, we're going to kick it off with Dakota Rose preaching at 8.30, and, uh, and then we've got a full schedule for the week of uh, services. Um, we're really excited about this. We also have Vacation Bible School going on, and we are uh, in need of, if you want to help us out, we need cookies. How many? We need 400 cookies. Is that what we needed? 40 dozen, and how many dozen do we have? Committed. Eight dozen. So we need another 32 dozen cookies uh, because we're going to take care of the kids during VBS. Now, we could have uh, upwards of 100 kids here, so there's going to be a lot of children uh, at, at Vacation Bibles, our, our VBS. So if you can help out with that, you need to sign up today. And I think there's a sign-up sheet around here somewhere going around. Huh? Connie has it. And uh, we'll get that passed around. And I'd love if you could just help us out. We also need chips. We're doing stuff for these kids. You know, they come it's in the evening. We're gonna, they're going to want a little bit of a snack. And so this is a way we can be a blessing to them. So there are sign-up sheets that you can sign up for that. And uh, I appreciate it. And uh, thank you. The other thing I wanted to mention to you is, is that on the 4th of July, the motorcycle ministry, help me say your guys' name, Elon? Tribe of El Elion. Okay. And uh, so this is a new ministry uh, that started up, but they're having a great big event that they're doing. There's information out on the table there. And um, they're going to be doing fireworks and they're having inflatables and you know, there's just really not anything going on on the 4th of July around here. And we know from our own experiences as a church that when you provide something, people will come to it. And uh, this is just a great way to connect. When you put, our, our, one of our philosophies is when you put believers with non-believers, what's going to happen? People are going to get saved, right? Because you put a believer with a non, you, you got Christian people that, Believe in God, trust in God. And this is a great ministry. Uh, I totally endorse what they're doing. And uh, in fact, I want to invite you to help support them in doing that. They are about a thousand short on what they're trying to do for their project. And Sharon and I are going to commit a hundred to that. So uh, if you want to commit part, uh, help them out, they'll be out at the table. You can talk to them and say, hey, I'm going to give you guys some money. I don't have it this week or whenever we get closer to the fourth. But um, you would make it out to them or to Kenny. Uh, Kenny disappeared, but he was in here. Uh, but it'd go right towards us, going towards the event. And uh, thank you if you would uh, be willing to do that. Okay, Second Chronicles. We're going to preach. I'm preaching today about suddenlies. Suddenlies. And I really about, uh, I was in Marietta last weekend. And uh, by the way, Dakota Rose preached probably the best sermon I've ever heard him preach in his life uh, last weekend. He did a phenomenal job uh, here at Amazing Grace. Thank you, Dakota. And uh, I, uh, I feel it was a word of the Lord for our church and uh, what he was sharing. And uh, I can't wait till next week when he preaches in the morning. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. But I, uh, as I was praying and I was in Marietta, Ohio, and um, I was preaching at the church that I pastored for 10 years there. 
And uh, the Lord started dealing. I said, Lord, what do you want me to preach? I've got kind of a middle of the week before camp meeting. He says, I want you to preach about suddenlies. I want you to preach about how I suddenly do things, how that I suddenly can show up in a situation. And so I said, all right. He says, well, it'll help get the people ready, their mindset ready for what I'm going to be doing during camp meeting. And I just want you to get your, I just want you to get your focus on that, if you would. Second Chronicles 29, 36, uh, two passages I'll have you look at in Isaiah 48, 3 as well. Hezekiah and all the people rejoiced that God prepared the people since the events, what took place, the rebuilding of the tabernacle took place so suddenly. It happened so suddenly. Isaiah 48, 3, I have declared the former things from the beginning. They went forth from my mouth, says God, and I caused them to hear it. And suddenly I did them and they came to pass. Suddenly I did them and they came to pass. Let me share a prophetic word with you. This is so powerful. These are the days of acceleration, saith the Lord. These are the days of acceleration, saith the Lord. A day in which I'll cause those who demonstrate an uncompromising stand on my word and an unwavering faith in my promises to experience in one year what used to take 10. And in two years, what previously took 20 years. I'm in a hurry, saith the Lord, to get things done and to fulfill all that I have declared. For you are the generation that will see it come to pass. Settle it in your heart once and for all that giving up, giving in, turning back are no longer a part of your lifestyle. And I assure you that your future will be filled with good things and your victories will be many. From here on out, you'll begin to hear more and more of my people describe what I did for them using the word suddenly. More and more suddenlies are coming your way. Build your faith for suddenlies. Amen. Amen. Now suddenlies, what does that mean? It means that things were a certain way and then all of a sudden it changed. In fact, in the Old Testament, one of the words that's used for the word suddenly is the word behold. Where all it's like, behold, look, something just happened. Look at what just took place. And I know that many of you here today, this morning, are believing God for things to happen in your life, whether it's physically or emotionally or mentally or relationally or financially. And as you're believing God, I want you to get your faith set for a suddenly. A suddenly, a behold, that all of a sudden, everything changed. Everything went a different direction. Everything that looked like it wasn't working, all of a sudden started working out. Now, the way we build our faith for suddenlies is we look at people that experience suddenlies in the Bible. One of the great testimonies of this is in the book of John chapter 5. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to John chapter 5 with me. And in John 5, he it talks about the man at the pool of Bethesda. The word Bethesda means house of mercy. It means a place of mercy. And this man that is sick is paralyzed. He is laying by this pool. And Jesus comes in and he sees in verse 3 in a great, that there was a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, 
waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water, and then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease that he had. Now, there was a certain man who was there who had an infirmity 38 years. Everybody say 38. 38. That's a long time to be sick. 38 years this man is laid by this pool. He has brought waiting and he, Jesus shows up and begins to talk to him and he saw him lying there. Now notice there were lots of people that were there, but Jesus saw this man. He saw him lying there and knew that he had already been in that condition a long time. And so he's going to show mercy on him and said to him, do you want to be made well? Verse seven, the sick man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool. Now, this is not what Jesus asked him, but this is what he responded with, which was his reason he was not able to get well. And so Jesus asked him, do you want to be made well? And the sick man said, I don't have anybody to put me in the pool. And when the water is stirred up, when the water is stirred up, but while I am coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. Rise, get up, take up. Think of how wild this is, all right? You've been there 38 years. Look, if you've dealt with something with 38 years, you're not talking about an experience, you're talking about a lifestyle. A 38-year experience of lameness, of the same thing every single day, begging, just getting by. Somebody has to get you up in the morning, bring you down and put you by the pool. Whenever the waters were troubled, whenever this would happen, uh, it, it obviously... He said, nobody put me in. I can't get in quick enough because of the paralyzation. So I miss out on it every single time. So we're talking 38 years of disappointment. That's a lot of disappointment. Let's say that it was uh, that these waters, I don't, we don't really know traditionally how much this happened. We, you know, the, we do know there is a pool of Bethesda. They have uncovered it. There are five porches that are there uh, that, that they have uncovered. The Romans pretty much wiped everything out while they were there. But uh, they have archaeological digs dug this up. But here's this man who has dealt with 38 years. Let's say that every year that water's troubled. 38 times of disappointment where he wanted to get in and couldn't get in and somebody else got their miracle and he didn't get his miracle and he wanted to be made well. Obviously the desire was there because he kept coming to the pool every day and the Lord has the audacity to say to him, get up. Well, can't you see, you know, it's a, it's a, can't you see that I'm lame? Can't you see that I'm paralyzed? Can't you see that, look, I just told you I've been here 38 years and haven't been able to get up. Why should I be able to get up right now? But see, there's an important principle here that the Lord is conveying to you and I. God will always ask you to move first. He'll always ask you to move first. You get up. We'll see this over and over as we look at different passages. Suddenly's happen when you make a move. When you make a move. 
Well, pastor, I'm just waiting on God when God... See, you're doing what this guy did by the, by the waters. You're waiting for the waters to move. And what God wants you to do is you move. And I, we don't know. I mean, we don't know how long this process happened. But he said, rise, take up your bed. And he didn't just leave it there and stand up. He didn't say, he said, walk. I want you to start walking right now. And notice in verse 9, and immediately, suddenly, immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked, and that day was the Sabbath. Now, this is an incredible miracle, but I want you to see here what Jesus told him. What, what if he would have said, I'm, I can't get up? Well, then he would still be there. I'm not getting up. I've been lame 38 years. What Jesus said is, rise and walk. I was thinking back about years ago and when I was pastoring in Marietta, Ohio. And uh, we had a building that was on a street called Front Street and uh, it was a good building when we moved in there. Our congregation, uh, we moved from the YMCA into there. We had about 30 people, I think, at that time. And we stayed right around 30 to 50 to 60, 70 people that were coming on Sunday morning, and I was asking the Lord, I'm like, God, what do we do? We need to, what do I need to do? What, what would you tell me to do here that we could continue to grow this church? And he says, the Lord told me in prayer, he says, I want you to tear down the wall that divides your sanctuary in the back. I want you to increase the length, the size of what you have here. And uh, I was like, but Lord, we only have like 50, 60, 70 people coming. So why would we build, take that wall down when right now we've got empty seats? And uh, I had shared this with a couple of people. And you know, it's, it's funny how people will concur with your doubts real quick. Right? People are like, no, no, you know, that's, that would be a waste of our time and energy tearing that wall down because it would now make a very small congregation look even smaller because the space is bigger. And so uh, I, I weanied out. I backed out of it. I, I, even though the Lord had told me, I backed away from it. I thought, you know what, I'm not going to. And I was back in prayer talking to the Lord about this again. And uh, I was like, Lord, what do we need to do? I know you have plans for this church and what you're wanting to do. And the Lord said, did you do what I told you to do the last time? I said, well, no, I didn't. But you know, God, and I began to tell him, just like this guy, just like you do when you talk to God about why things aren't happening. I started making all these, well, you know, Lord, it's because of this and because of that. And he says, well, if you'll do what I told you to do, you'll see it happen. So I told my wife, I said, all right, on Sunday morning, I'm not even announcing it. I'm bringing a sledgehammer. And on Sunday morning, I'm going to tell the people that as soon as service is over, we're taking a sledgehammer to that wall and uh, we're going to knock it down. We're not going to give people time to doubt <laughs> or me time to doubt. And uh, so that morning uh, I got up in the sermon, preached about faith. And then I said, as soon as service is over, if you want to stick around, you can help me out. We're going to knock that wall down. Uh, it was just a real, it was a temporary type wall, you know, that was up built with just uh, plat, drywall and, uh, and uh, two by fours. And uh, we're going to start tearing it down. So I went back after church and hit the wall, put a big hole in the wall and then put another big hole in the wall. And then other people started kicking the wall and, and we got it all the way down. In one week, the church on Sunday morning went from 50 people to over 100 people. Suddenly. Suddenly. 
See, we have to make the first step. God makes the next. God's already got a plan, but our faith has to be released in our actions. Your faith is first released out of your heart from your mouth. It's secondly released out of your, uh, out of your actions. You know, there's only, only two, two ways the devil knows what you believe, what you say and what you do. Not what you think, because, man, if we were held accountable for everything we think, we'd be in, we'd be in big, big trouble, right? But it's what we say and what we do, what we're doing. See, this man had an immediately. How many of you could use an immediately in your life right now? Immediately, this thing, it seemed like, see, I know, I know that feeling. This guy, 38 years, I mean, I don't know that feeling, but I know what it's like. You wait year after year, and it doesn't look like it's getting any better. It seems like it's getting worse. But the good news is, a suddenly is on the way. Go over to Mark chapter 5 with me. Mark chapter 5. I know Chuck's going to be preaching out of the book of Mark during next Sunday night in camp meeting, so I didn't want to take his, uh, take his verse. But um, <laughs> Verse 25. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years. Everybody say 12 years. So these are long periods of time, right? 12 years, 38 years. And had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. So her health got worse and her pocketbook got worse. And she dealt with this for 12 years. And when she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and she touched his garment. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I will be made well. Verse 29, what's the first word there? Immediately, suddenly, the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. It was an immediate, suddenly situation that happened to her, but she had her part to play. You know, for 12 years of dealing with this, when she finally heard about Jesus, she made a decision she was going to touch him and be made whole. She didn't say, I'm going to have him pray for me. I'm going to touch him because I believe that when I touch him, she was releasing her faith in the miracle for herself, but she had to take the step. She had to take the action to go where he was at, put her hands on his cloth and be made whole. Go to, um, go to uh, Luke 13, 13. See, when we look at other people's suddenlies, we begin to build our faith for our suddenly. Hallelujah. Luke chapter 13. Now Jesus was teaching, verse 10, in the synagogues on the Sabbath. Behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity. 18 years. Everybody say 18 years. So what do we got now? We've got 38 years that this guy is laying by the pool we got a woman 12 years that's had an issue of blood. Now we've got a woman that's been bound up for 18 years and she could in no way raise herself up. She was completely bowed over. But when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said to her, woman, you are loose from your infirmity. He laid his hand on her and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. Notice here, suddenly this situation turned. This situation turned. 
What if she would have, what if when he, when he said to her, uh, came to her and said, come over here. He called her to himself. And she said, no, 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 no. Not messing around with this. I've been dealing with this for 18 years. This has been my, no. When Jesus saw her, he called her to him. When she responded to him, come, her, come to, to him, the, he said, you are loosed from this sickness and laid his hands on her and immediately she was made, immediately she was made straight. She was made straight. Acts chapter three, go over there with me if you would. Acts three. Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple. Now, this man, we know because of later on in this, in this uh, Acts, he's 40 years old. Everybody say, he's over 40. Say 40 years. So we got 38 years, we got 12 years, we've got how long was the woman with the bowed, 18 bowed over. Now we've got a guy that's over 40. This is the long-term one here. This guy has been lame from the time he was born. Look, when you're, when you're lame from the time you're born, you don't know what it's like to walk. You don't know what it's like to stand up. I mean, you're used to being down on the ground or being carried wherever you go. You're, you, you, you're, you're crippled in your body. But notice what happened. He saw Peter, verse 3, Peter and John about to go into the temple and he asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. And he gave, him, gave them his attention. <laughs> this is key. If you want to underline something, underline that. He gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. And Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up. Notice the same thing Jesus told the man that was for 38 years by the pool of Bethesda. Rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and he lifted him up. And Im immediately, suddenly, his feet and his ankle bones received strength. And he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Suddenly happen when we take action responding on what the word says. On what the word says. Several years ago, most of you know this story, been with us for a while, that we had two other properties that we were really we were we we weren't really using them anymore. At one time we had a helping hands ministry and one which was our food bank, uh, which we can join together with another food bank and to help you know do it more as a community effort, which has gone really really well. And then we had another building, the center up in Breckenridge, that uh, God had blessed us with. It was a great testimony with that that uh, we we were given that basically bought that building. Uh, at a very low cost, and uh, it was really an awesome. We were going to do youth ministry there, and we did do youth ministry there. And uh, but that season passed. You know, buildings are just tools. All right, 
We're not committed to the building. We're committed to Christ. And to, you know, so this is just a tool. This building here is just a tool. That was just a tool. And we felt it was time that we were supposed to eliminate that from what we were doing to begin to hub most of what we were doing right here. And so um, it was a season, that season was over. Well, we had tried everything we knew to do to try to sell those two buildings. We tried to give the one building away to uh, another ministry and they basically said, no, we don't want it. Uh, we tried to, you know, we tried to sell. We, we had realtors involved, tried to sell the other building. Nothing was moving. I mean, the market, you know, was just kind of, this was after 2008. The market was just sort of dead at that time and uh, nothing was happening. And we began to, just to begin to seek the Lord about what he wanted us to do and, and the direction that he wanted us to go. And the Lord really, uh, we, we were very blessed in the middle of all of that. The, the city of village of Breckenridge bought a part of the land uh, from us, which helped us out a lot with what we were doing. But we were carrying a pretty heavy load of three properties that we were trying to keep up and maintain. And uh, so I was sitting down with talking to the, uh, a mechanic uh, who, was tell who worked on our vehicles and had asked, you know, I asked how he was doing. He says, well, I'm really struggling. He says, because I've just lost my garage and I've lost the home I live in. And I said, really? And he said, yeah. He says, I've been, I've been asked to move out. Uh, he says, I paid my rent and did everything I was supposed to, but they've decided they want to go a different direction. So the lease is up. They're not going to renew it. So now I'm basically going to be homeless and I don't have a place to work on vehicles. And while I was sitting there talking to him about this, it just, in my mind, I said, you know, I just I had a thought. Um, I, I would like to make you an offer that I just think will be, I don't think you can refuse it. And, uh, and he said, what's that? I said, I want you to go down in Wheeler. I want you to go up and you know this building that we have there. I want you to look at it. And uh, I want you to look at it. And uh, I want you to uh, tell me what your thoughts are about it. And so he went and looked at it, gave him the keys. He went through it, looked at it. He said, you know, I could, I could live there. He says, I could take my son who's autistic. We could move in there and uh, give him a room and I could take and we could actually, I could put my garage there and work on vehicles. And, and I said, wow. He said, and then he looked at me and he says, and I have no money. He says, I can't go to the bank. I don't have any credit. I can't. And I said, well, listen, I'm going to make you an offer that you can't refuse. And he goes, what's that? I said, do you have a dollar? And he said, uh, yeah. I said, give it to me. I said, you just bought that building. And how many acres? Seven acres, I think it was. Seven acres of land, which right now acreage around here is going for about $14,000 an acre. You say, well, Pastor, man, you should have charged him more. Or you... Look, we'd already been out on the market. We needed, to deal, we needed to deal with this because we knew God, this was becoming a, you know, a blessing can become a limitation. Do you hear me? A blessing can become a limitation, especially when, it's over, when you're overextending its use. You're just trying to keep that thing going because you've always had it going. So we made that, I said, we'll pay the attorney fees. We'll get everything taken care of. We'll get it written over into your name and uh, it'll all be yours. I mean, he's just, he's, he just is brave. He's just like, man, you guys are the real, he doesn't go to church here. He goes, you guys are the real deal. You do that for me and my family. I said, yep, I, we would do that for you and your family. And uh, so we did that. Well, in the meantime, you know, we still got this other property we've got to move. 
And we, we just really feel like that needs to go. And we've tried everything we know, and it's a great property with a lot of really cool stuff in it and a big kitchen. And, and uh, within two weeks, I got a phone call. We stopped advertising because nobody was interested. And in two weeks, I got a call from a funeral home that said, are you interested in selling that building? And I said, well, let's talk. So we went down, looked to show them the building, and they walked through it. And I said, make an offer. And they made an offer that exceeded what we owed on that building, all of our debts, which would get us completely out of de debt at that time. Now listen, and would also give us, I think we end up with maybe 10 to 15,000 in the bank, but we would be completely debt free, all right? They said, you know what, we'll do it. So we signed the papers, we shared with the church what we were doing and uh, we, we signed the papers. They bought the building, we paid off the note. The following Sunday, we got up in front of the church and announced to the congregation that we're now debt-free completely. Everything is paid for. Everything we own as a ministry is paid for. Our offerings went up 20% in one Sunday. In one, in one Sunday. You say, well, did a big giver? No but it went up 20%. From that point on, we have never looked back. All we have experienced is continual increase. Continual increase. We continue to increase, and as the, as the Bible talks about how that uh, Jake, uh, Isaac sowed in a time of famine, he increased and continued to increase, and then he became very prosperous. This ministry is a very prosperous ministry Amen. Everything we've done for now, since that point, we've paid cash for. Parking lot, roof, carpet. Are you all here? I believe it all goes back to giving that property to that man. See, my point is that sometimes when you're wanting God to move, the first, when you're believing God to move, the first thing you got to do is think about how can I be a blessing to someone else? How can I be a blessing to someone else? Who could I sow to? And it's not always, I'm not talking about money. Maybe it's just helping somebody out that's going through a tough time. Maybe it's baking cookies for the, just throw a little plug in. <laughs> Giving some money to help with the 4th of July effort. Maybe it's just helping a guy that's sitting on a corner and is totally flat broke and doesn't know what he's going to do. Be a blessing. When you need a blessing, be a blessing to someone. And so everything has turned in that, in that moment. So, and it happened, I'd say two weeks from not being able to do anything to all of a sudden everything's gone, you're now debt-free and you're prospering and exceedingly prosper and continue to prosper. And I would say that's an immediately, a suddenly, wouldn't you? Yeah. Amen. So here's my question and wrap up. Are you preparing for your suddenly? You say, well, pastor, it's been 38 years. Well, there you go. But are you getting ready for your suddenly? Are you getting ready? Is your expectation? See, I think at times what happens to us is that because of the wait period, we just get we get lax. We, we begin to, we're not in the word as much. We're not making our confessions. We, you know, church becomes optional. 
worship becomes optional, prayer becomes optional, and, you know, it's just, we lose our focus of what we're believing for. And what, if we want suddenlies to happen in our life, we have to refocus ourselves. Here's what the Lord told me to tell you this morning, and we'll finish here. He said, when, you, when you're believing for a suddenly, you need to clear the weeds and nurture the seeds. That's what he told me to tell you. Clear the weeds and nurture the seeds. You know, we have a, we have a pretty good-sized garden, and we spend a lot of time clearing weeds and nurturing seeds. But see, there is no harvest if we do not clear those weeds. The weeds will overtake. They're going to just start overtaking the situation. We have a great garden of weeds, thistles, and I don't know, you guys call it crabgrass. I don't know what they call it up here, but it's nasty, and it gets in everything, right? It gets, grows everywhere, takes over, and I've planted corn. Man, I mean, I, get, I have this really awesome Troy-built uh, tiller. I get out there, man, and I till that garden, and I mean, it looks, it looks pristine. I'm, you know, I'm very, very particular about my gardens, and I mean, I got that thing tilled down. There's not a weed showing. I mean, it all looks beautiful. It's, the dirt looks great. The manure is all blended in just right. And then I start putting the rows in. Man, I get, I get my line out because I told you, I got to have it right. I put a line in one end to the other, and then I get a nice straight line for beans and a nice straight line for corn. And I put all that in there, and then we put in, where we're going to put our cauliflower and our broccoli here, and we're going to put our peppers here, and we're going to put our tomato plant over here, and we're going to do, and I get it, all, we get it all lined out. Man, I mean, it looks absolutely amazing for about two days. Yeah. <laughs> and then little green things start popping up out of the ground. I'm thinking, oh, maybe those seeds are coming. Oh, that's not a seed. The seeds aren't growing. They're not coming out of the ground. And when it's dry like this, you've got to go out and water. And the problem is, is that when you water the good stuff, you're watering the bad stuff too, right? And so we're watering that garden and keeping those seeds and nothing's coming up. And our beans were a little late coming up. The first planting that we did, they didn't come up. And uh, we're not real sure why, but the corn started coming up, but stuff starts showing up. Well, you can't just as soon as you see stuff coming up go, oh, good. Wow. Thank God. Well, that's over with. No, man. Now you got to go back out every morning, every other day. You have to clear the weeds and nurture the seeds. Well, in your spiritual life, it's the same thing for us. Suddenly you got to clear the weeds. What's in there? 38 years of waiting, 12 years of waiting, <laughs> over 40 years of waiting. And look, I know it can get discouraging for all of us, but those are all weeds. They're just stuff. That's the first thing Jesus did with that guy that was by the pool of Bethesda. He said to him, do you want to be made well? Well, here comes the weed. <laughs> yeah, well, I tried this before and it didn't work. And so I'm just, just you know, every day it's the same old thing. Jesus that said, get up. He cleared that weed out of that man's life so that he could nurture that seed in that man's life. I want you to stand with me if you would. Are you getting ready? Are you preparing for your suddenly? I'm going to ask our prayer team if you'll come, those of you that are here this morning. 
Are you preparing for your suddenly? Are you preparing for your suddenly? I want you to listen to this word from the Lord again. These are the days of acceleration, saith the Lord. A day in which I will cause those who demonstrate an uncompromising stand on my word and unwavering faith in my promises to experience in one year what used to take 10 and in two years what previously took 20 years. I'm in a hurry, saith the Lord, to get things done and to fulfill all that I have declared. For you are, and get this set in your heart, you are the generation that will see it come to pass. Settle it in your heart once and for all that giving up, giving in, and turning back are no longer a part of your lifestyle. I assure you that your future will be filled with good things and your victories will be many. So I just want to talk to you guys this morning that might be in a place right now where you're giving up or you're giving in or you're turning back. You're no longer, it's no longer a part of your lifestyle that you're actually, you've just sort of settled where things are. And I want to encourage you today. I want us, we're going to pray with you here this morning. And I, I believe that there is power. You know, there is power in this one, you taking one step this morning can be all the difference to your miracle. It could be just you rising up against this thing and saying, when I come to the altar, when I go back, this thing is settled, it's gonna get done, and God is working in this situation. I refuse, I'm, I refuse to believe anything different than God is gonna do exactly what he said he's gonna do. Can you say amen? amen? I want you to bow your heads with me. Father, all over the building, Lord, there are needs represented here. Lord, I know that there are folks here, Lord, that <laughs> they felt like giving up or they're giving in, they're just settling for less. And for some, Lord God, they may have turned back. Father, I just pray in the name of Jesus that they would sense, Lord, that you're with them, not against them. That God, that you're ready to move in that situation. That, Lord, as they let faith rise in their heart, and, Lord, they say, I'm going to stand today with someone, and I'm going to say that this is what's going to happen because God has said this is what's going to happen. I believe in the name of Jesus, Lord God, that there is discouragement that will be broken. Lord, there are doubts that will fall off to the side, Lord God. I thank you, Lord, that you will move and that you, Lord, will bring strength where there was weakness in the name of Jesus. I'm going to ask while heads are bowed, if you'd like prayer this morning to come, we want to pray with you here at the altar this morning. Just do it right now if you'd like prayer this morning. You just maybe you're one of those who's battling with giving up or giving in or turning back. Uh, maybe you're just discouraged about your situation and just want somebody to, to, to bring a word of encouragement to you today. We want to pray with you this morning. And uh, don't, don't hesitate. Just come now. It's all right. It's okay. This is a, uh, an accepting church, not a rejecting church. We're here to help. So I'm going to ask you to come and uh, let us start praying for you right now. Now, if you're battling an illness in your body right now, maybe something just broke loose. I know a lot of folk, folks have been 
battling flu symptoms and different junk. And uh, if you're battling that in your body, I want you to come uh, or standing in the gap for a family member. Let us agree with you this morning over that situation. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Thank you, Father God. Hallelujah.